Hey, Cleveland. It's Zadarius Smith, man. I'm so happy to be a Brown. Can't wait to get started. Rule number one, the first thing we got to do is take the division. And after that, we're going to go to the playoffs, baby. Ah! Dogs Podcast with your hosts, Blake Reniker, Justin Charles, John Nye, and Josh All. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Podcast presented by Omaha Steaks. Father's Day is right around the corner. Head to omahasteaks.com right now. Use promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, when you check out. Get $30 off your order when you get your father's, the perfect Father's Day gift. Josh All with you today. And on this episode, I want to dive into why Browns fans should reasonably be expecting a playoff appearance for the Cleveland Browns in 2023. But before I do, I want to remind you all, please check us out on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. If you're watching this episode on YouTube, please like the video, subscribe to the channel. We really appreciate it. And if you're Again, watching on YouTube, please consider joining the YouTube Dog Pack. It's just 99 cents. It really helps support the show. You get a badge next to your name. You get to use cool emojis dedicated to this channel. I just added a Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett emoji, and there will be Deshaun Watson and some others coming in the future. So stay tuned for that. Get them now. 99 cents. Join the YouTube Dog Pack. And if you want to join the Patreon Dog Pack, become an official Dog Pack member over at jointhedogs.com. We have a lot of fun in there, and I just want to get out ahead of this now. Fantasy football season is coming. It is almost upon us here. I mean, I know we're just heading into June, but before you know it, it's going to be August. We're going to be hitting those fantasy drafts. So get into the Patreon now. We run fantasy leagues every year. We did two the first year, four last year so. We're really expanding the the dog pack fantasy football leagues. If you want to play fantasy football with us and other diehard Browns fans, please get in there now. Get ahead of the rush come August. Okay, so let's dive into this. Why should Browns fans be expecting a playoff appearance at the very minimum for the Cleveland Browns in here in 2023? Okay, so we put out a tweet over the weekend that really got a lot of run and a lot of feedback, and it seemed like it was a pretty popular topic. And what I really did was break down the 2022 season that, you know, did not go the way that Browns fans were expecting. But if you look at why it didn't, it gives you a lot of hope, or at least it gives me a lot of hope for how things can and how I expect things to play out in 2023. So if you look back at 22, the Browns didn't technically get eliminated from playoff contention until all the way at week 16. I mean, going into week 16, there's only three weeks left of the season, 16, 17, 18. And at, with, a, with a six and eight record, six and eight, entering the game on Christmas Eve against the New Orleans Saints, that four degree, just nasty second quarter game in Cleveland football history. Going into that game with just six wins, the Browns were technically still in playoff contention. They weren't. Now, I say that very loosely. Obviously, the chances were like zero point something percent. It was damn near zero, but it still wasn't zero. They were not technically eliminated yet. So just with six wins at that that far into the season, the Browns were still had a percentage chance, a very slim one, like I mentioned, but still a percentage chance of making the playoffs. So I really want to go through and break this down because If you look back, if the Browns even had somewhat of a competent defense last season, we could have been nine and five 
going into that Saints game. The defense cost us three, what I would consider pretty easy and locked wins early in the season. Those were the Jets, the Falcons, and the Chargers. And not only that, the defense cost us a very fair shot at two other games early on too. Our first game against the Ravens and our game against the Bills. If we win those two games plus the three I mentioned previously, now we're looking at hold your this is serious guys. 11 and 3. The Cleveland Browns could have been 11 and 3 heading into week 16, and that would have been mostly with Jacoby Brissett, the backup quarterback playing for the Browns. So, if we're 11 and 3 heading into that week 16, we're on top of the AFC North, we're firmly in the playoffs. And even if we finish out the season the same way we did last year anyway, we would have ended the season at 12 and 5, locked into the playoffs, and it would have been a completely different season than the one that was the reality. So I want to break down those games here real quick, okay? So here we go. First off the bat, games that I consider the Browns should have won. Week two, New York Jets. Probably the most embarrassing loss I've ever seen with the Cleveland Browns and if you're a Browns fan for you know your whole life the way I have been, you've seen some pretty damn embarrassing losses. But this one took it all right here. So in this game, week two versus the New York Jets. Flash forward toward the end of the game, Nick Chubb scores a 12-yard touchdown run with a minute 55 left to play. Puts the Browns up 30-17. to 17. Cade York comes out, <sighs> misses the extra point. Okay, so we should have been up two touchdowns. It should have been 31-17. We're still up two scores. 30 to 17. Everybody started bashing Nick Chubb because he didn't just go down. The uh, the Jets, you know, it was, it, we were within two minutes. The Jets had no timeouts left. Nick Chubb goes down. Theoretically, we run out the clock. We win the game. We're up, we were up by a touchdown at the time. But if you're Nick Chubb, you're carrying the ball. You run into the end zone. You're putting your team up by two touchdowns with less than two minutes remaining. The other team has no timeouts. You feel pretty good about that win. Why? Well, first of all, Nick Chubb's not going in the end zone thinking, well, I bet you Cade York's going to miss this extra point. You kind of need to be able to count on your kicker. Unfortunately, the Browns could not last year. I'm hoping that changes this year. Jury's still out on Cade York. I have hope, but of course, I always have hope for the kickers. Anyway, we'll talk about that another time. But even, even up 13 points rather than the 14. Listen to this this stat we harped on after that game all season last year, or just over and over. In the past 21 years, no team, not one, not one team has overcome a 13-point deficit within the final two minutes. The last time it ever happened, of course, was in 2001. The Chicago Bears beat the Browns. And since that time, since 2001, that last loss by the Browns, NFL teams have gone 229 and zero. Went up by 13 points with less than two minutes ago. 229 and 0 until the Browns faced the Jets in week two last year. Again, Jets had zero timeouts. Corey Davis somehow gets wide open. As soon as the Jets get the ball back, he's just down the sideline, complete secondary breakdown. He goes in for a 66 yard touchdown. Now things are getting kind of weird. So the Jets come out again, no timeouts. They had to try an onside kick, try one last ditch effort to get the ball. Browns recover that game over. That's not what happened, though. We botched that onside kick attempt, and that gave the Jets the ball, and it led to them going down and scoring yet again on a Garrett Wilson touchdown with just 25 seconds left to go. Now, 
that is an absolute colossal defensive and special teams breakdown. Just absolutely horrendous. Starting with the Cade York missed field goal on the special teams, you got to be freaking kidding me. And then we turn around and we have a complete secondary breakdown. We, they have no timeouts left. Everything should have been kept in front of us on the defense side of the ball. And yet Corey Davis down the field, wide open, nobody's covering him, just walks in for a 66-yarder. And then we can't even recover the onside kick on special teams. Another breakdown and the defense just collapsed yet again. So they go up. Of course, they make their extra point. And, um, you know, people looking back at this game as I'm going back through the, the play-by-play, you know, I forgot. And I think a lot of people forget, too. The Browns almost stole this game back. Jacoby Brissett scrambled for 21 yards, got the offense to the Jets' 46-yard line. He, I mean, the Browns were pushing in just these final seconds to try to get set up for a last-ditch effort with a field goal. But then his final pass as he was trying to push the offense down the field, you know, it got picked off and... You know, he was just trying to get close enough, like I said, for a field goal try. And in those situations, I don't care about those interceptions because I need my offense to do whatever they can to get down the field. It rarely works. You're, the defense put us in such a crap position. It was pathetic. This was also the game where afterward, Miles Garrett came out and said that fans booing at the end was more disappointing than the collapse by the defense. Dude, the fans are the reason that you get paid. We said this. Then during the season, and I'm going to repeat it now because this is this is the way it is. The fans pay for the right to come, watch the game, watch you play, cheer you on. And when the product that you guys go out and put on the field is absolute garbage, they pay for the right to boo you too. They do. You're a grown man. You're getting paid $25 million a year and you can't handle being food by the fans. Many of those fans, I'm sure, had to work overtime shifts or make other financial sacrifices just to come watch you play, just to come pay for those tickets. Grow up, quit crying, play better. The fans can cheer. The fans can boo. Deal with it. That always, that just rubbed me the wrong way when he said that. In this game, Jacoby Brissett threw for 229 yards, a touchdown, the pick, like I mentioned, but I don't really count that because it was at the, the end when they were just trying anything and everything to get down the field. Jacoby only had five incompletions this entire game. Nick Chubb carried the ball 17 times for 87 yards and three touchdowns. Mari Cooper, nine catches for 101 and one touchdown. The offense wasn't the problem in this game. It was the defense. It was the special teams. It was horrible. Browns lose 31 to 30. So before we move on to the next wonderful game to talk about, I want to remind all you Browns fans here in Ohio, we have an awesome sports betting promo for new Bet365 users. All you have to do, deposit $10, place a $1 wager on any sport. You will instantly receive $200 added to your account in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. All you have to do, use the code THEDOGS, all one word, when you sign up. By using the code THEDOGS, you not only receive the $200 in bonuses, but you will also be directly supporting our podcast. So if you haven't signed up for Bet365, join now with the code THEDOGS and place that first bet. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in Ohio. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer or visit bet365.com. Week four versus the Falcons. Ugh, another gross game. The Browns lost a game where the opposing quarterback was Marcus Mariota, and he only completed seven passes the entire game. Are you kidding me? The quarterback on the other team only completed seven passes, and you lost? 
Absolutely pathetic. The Browns defense gave up 202 yards rushing to a fifth-round rookie running back, and that was Tyler Algier. It was only his third game last season. He carried the ball 10 times for 84 yards, 8.4 yards a carry. Ugh. In week one, I'm sorry, in week two, it was Algier's first game. He had 10 carries for just 30 yards against the Rams, and then the week before the Browns, he carried the ball just six times for only 25 yards against Seattle. Then he comes out against us and just breaks out. And of course, they had just elevated practice squad running back Caleb Huntley to the active roster for the Browns game that week. He also had 10 carries for 56 yards, 5.6 yards a carry, and a touchdown himself. Cordero Patterson had nine carries for 38 yards, 4.2 yards a carry, and he had a touchdown. It was pathetic. So here we have the Browns defense completely unable to stop an offense led by a backup caliber quarterback, completing just like I said, seven total passes. Couldn't stop a fifth-round rookie or a practice squad running back for that sake. Uh, Those guys just ran absolutely all over us. It's really just making me kind of sick talking about all this. Um, Jacoby Brissett, though, 234 yards. Nick Chubb, 19 carries, 118 yards, and a touchdown again. Offense was not the problem. The Browns lost this one 23-20. So, the theme here so far is week two, the Browns cannot stop ancient Joe Flacco, the statue in the pocket from throwing all over us. That was horrible. Defensive breakdowns. Week four against the Falcons. Marcus Mariota, for real? Seven pass completions, that's it? Because we just let their, their practice squad running back absolutely destroy us. Moving on to week five against the Los Angeles Chargers. The defense gave up 238 yards after just giving up 202 the week before to the Falcons. Austin Eckler ripped off 16 carries for 173 yards and a touchdown. That's 10.8 yards a carry. Goodness. He also ripped off a 71-yard long rush. Uh, Backup running back Joshua Kelly, who never does anything, 10 carries for 49 yards himself and a touchdown. Justin Herbert, their quarterback, dealing with a rib injury that he had, you know, back in week two last season. He wasn't at full strength and he still threw 228 yards and a touchdown. And the Browns had absolutely no answer for wide receiver Mike Williams. 10 catches for 134 yards. I mean, the defense, just not good whatsoever. Now, To give them a little credit because I'm bashing the living daylights out of the defense. I'll give them credit where credit is due. They did hold better at the end of this game. They gave our offense just a slight chance to win the game at the end or at least tie it up. Uh, The Browns were able to stop the Chargers on fourth and one um, at the 46-yard line with a minute 10 remaining. Then the offense comes, takes the field. Jacoby Brissett hits Amari Cooper for 10 yards, moves the Browns to the uh, Chargers 35-yard line. Bream Hunt gets a carry at that point. No gain. Stuffed. By the way, Browns have no timeouts at this point. So then we throw an incomplete pass to Donovan Peoples-Jones. Two plays in a row. That puts us at fourth down. Special teams. Here we go again. The kicking team comes out. We get screwed again. Cade York misses a 54-yard field goal with 16 seconds left. Game over. Browns lose 30 to 28. Now, the Kareem Hunt carry on first and 10 from the 35 was probably one of those head scratching moments from a lot of the Stefanski haters out there, considering 
The Browns had no timeouts. Like I said, it was just 40 seconds, 47, sorry, 47 seconds left in the game. You know, what, what are you hoping here? You're hoping that Kareem Hunt gets maybe three yards with a chance to slip into, a, you know, maybe some more like five, five or a couple more yards. I don't really know. That moves you into the 45 to 50 yard field goal range. I, I mean, that's better. That's better than a 54 yard field goal, I suppose. But instead, Hunt gets the carry, gets stuffed for no gain. Clock keeps running. Now your def- or the, now the Chargers defense knows you have to pass the ball no matter what. So they can really just key in on that. It just all around. I mean, the, you guys see the theme here: special teams, defensive problems. These were huge issues that kept the Browns from winning games last year when the offense was putting us in position very reasonable position to win them. Jacoby Bursett against the Chargers, 230 yards, a touchdown, a pick. Nick Chubb, 17 carries, 134 yards himself, two touchdowns. And in this game, Kareem Hunt even had 11 carries for 47 and a touchdown too. So in back-to-back weeks here, Nick Chubb had 252 yards and three touchdowns. And the defense could not wrangle these opposing running backs. Again, like I said, the Browns lost this one 30 to 28. These one score within a field goal difference games, these killed the Browns last year. Absolutely killed us. So before I dive into games that could have gone in the Browns' favor, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. If you're like me, you always struggle to figure out what do I get dad For Father's Day, what is the perfect thing for the guy, for the men in your life who already have everything? They've got all the tools. They've got all the stuff. What do you get them that they don't already have? With Father's Day right around the corner, I can tell you one thing every dad can never have enough of. Steak. Dads want steak. Whether he's your father, father father-in-law, or just a father figure in general, he's the guy who is always ready to step up when you needed him the most. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected packages. Head over to omahasteaks.com right now. Use promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, when you check out. Get $30 off your qualifying order. Packages can include fork tender, bacon wrap, filet mignons, or other gourmet grillables like the air-chilled boneless chicken breast, burgers, jumbo franks, many other favorites. And do not forget to save room for dessert. Most of their packages come with four delicious caramel apple tartlets. Those things are the best. Omaha Steaks makes it so easy to give dad what he really wants. Order today, get $30 off your order with promo code DAWGS when you check out. Every purchase is backed by their unconditional money-back guarantee, so don't wait. Get the Father's Day, the perfect Father's Day gifts, locked and loaded, ready to go. Use code DOGS, DAWGS, $30 off Omaha Steaks today. Minimum order may be required. See site for details. All right, I guess we'll just dive into some more fun memories now. So let's talk about week seven at the Baltimore Ravens. The Browns were down 23 to 20 with two minutes and 44 seconds left. It was third and five at our own 21. Jacoby Brissett hits Donovan Peoples-Jones for a 37-yard gain, takes us down to the Ravens 42. A couple plays later on third and two, he hits Amari Cooper for a 34-yard touchdown. Game over, we win right now. Amari Cooper gets called for offensive pass interference. We lose the touchdown. We lose 10 yards. It's now third and 12. Jacoby Brissett scrambles for seven yards. That sets the Browns up at fourth and five from the 37. So, you know, it would have been nice to get a little bit closer, but at least we're still in position to tie this thing up. We trot out our lovely special teams yet again. 
or a field goal attempt. So what happens? Snap the ball, false start on lineman Michael Dunn. That pushes the Browns back five yards to the 42. It turns into a 60-yard field goal that gets freaking blocked with two minutes left. I just absolute just frustration. Total frustration. We're seeing this happen week in and week out. So then the the Ravens get the ball back. Browns defense actually does force a punt. There's only 16 seconds left at this point. Jacoby Brissett hits Donovan Peoples-Jones for 19 yards, and he fumbled trying to make a desperate play. Browns lose 23-20. Yippee-ki-yay, you know water. I, I just, looking back, looking back through these losses, just it's crushing me all over again. I'm feeling the absolute disappointment of each and every one of those games, knowing that the Browns were this close. They were so close in every one of these to winning. And that's why, like I said, at the top of the show going into week 16, guys, we could have been 11 and three at that point in the season. Are you kidding me? 11 and three with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback? Nobody would have predicted that. But that's the type of, that's the situation the Browns offense was able to put us in. Kevin Stefanski did a very good job with this team. It was the defense and special teams breakdowns like this that just absolutely, absolutely crushed us. So in this game against Baltimore, Jacoby Brissett, 258 yards. Again, only five incompletions. Jacoby Brissett was so efficient last year. It was crazy. Nick Chubb, 16 carries, 91 yards and a touchdown. The defense gave up 66 yards rushing and two touchdowns to Gus Edwards, 59 yards to Lamar. Similar to the Falcons game, Lamar only needed nine passing completions. So another loss where the quarterback completes less than 10 passes in a passing league. Are you kidding me? He only had 129 yards through the air. That's all it took to lead the Ravens against this porous, pathetic Browns run defense. All right, so last game that the Browns could have had a fair shot to win if things had just gone a little bit differently. Now, this one's a little bit more of a stretch. It was week 11 versus the Bills. It was that really like snowy, nasty blizzard game that actually got moved to the Dome in Detroit. So it was more of a neutral site. The Browns go up, play the Bills. Defense surrendered 171 rushing yards. Devin Singletary had 86 of those and a touchdown. Devin Singletary is a running back last year who only surpassed 50 yards in six out of 17 games. Not even half of his games was he over 50 yards last year. And then rookie running back James Cook had 86 yards, and he only factored into four total games in all of last season. And that was one of them against the Browns, of course. Josh Allen, sensing a theme here, only needed 197 yards and one touchdown to easily roll past the Browns defense in this one. But the reason why I say that this game is in this category of where a little bit better defense could have given the Browns a fair shake. Jacoby Brissett had his best game all season in this one. 324 yards and three touchdowns. And again, that, that's also largely in part because Nick Chubb got bottled up for once in this one. 19, or I'm sorry, 19 yards on just 14 carries. Pretty rough game for the Browns on the ground. But again, if the defense can just... We, we were doing pretty well against Josh Allen in the passing game. If we can just stuff the run a little bit, force a little bit more passing. I mean, who knows? The, the clock runs a lot more when the other team is running the ball all over you. And again, our offense was kind of humming in that one. Um, special teams, here we go again. Cade York has a 34-yard. 34-yard, that should be... This is the NFL. All you do is kick. A 34-yard field goal for your special teams unit should be almost automatic. 
Like the, the percentage of that should be about 99. He's got the 34-yard field goal blocked at the end of the third quarter. Browns tried to make it a close game toward the end. They did only lose 31 to 23, but honestly, this game wasn't ever really that close because, like I said, the the Browns or the the Bills ground game just they picked up 12 first downs on the ground and they capitalized. They made their special teams. They made six field goals in this one. So they had their hand all over this one from pretty much start to finish. So there we go. Even toss toss the Bills game over into the loss column anyway. And now instead of the 11 and three going into week 16, now we're talking 10 and four. We finished the season 11 and what, six. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. That gets you into the playoffs. So that's why I'm saying this year in 2023, it's very reasonable to expect the Browns to win 10 games at minimum. 10 plus is where I would put the Browns. And if they fall short of 10, it's a disappointing season. Because looking at what we had last year, which was absolute garbage defense, a backup quarterback, the cards were stacked against the Browns last year, honestly, and we still had ourselves in position to easily make the playoffs. And I mean that, easily make the playoffs. This year, with an up-to-speed, up-to-game speed Deshaun Watson from the start, from the jump, and what I'm about to talk about, Jim Schwartz and all these new defensive pieces, there's no reason to, to think the Browns shouldn't make the playoffs this year. In 14 seasons... As a defensive coordinator, and that's with you know Tennessee, Philadelphia, and then the one year in Buffalo, Jim Schwartz's defense is ranked top 10 against the run. So top 10 defenses eight times out of those 14 seasons, and they were top 15 10 times, 10 out of 14. So on average, his defense ranks 10.6. So he's averaging a top 10 defense, essentially. Now, Joe Woods, three years in Cleveland, this is interesting. Um, the run defense, those three years, 9th, 12th, 25th. So PFF grades, the Browns run defense 29th in 2022, 25th overall based on the stats. So actually, it's not like we were the absolute worst run defense over his three seasons. But with Joe Woods, each year, the run defense got worse. So much worse in the last season that it just there was no coming back from it. The passing defense was actually pretty good. I got to give him his credit. Two straight number five finishes, 2021 and 2022. So the secondary did play pretty well, despite what I, what I said. Th- those defensive breakdowns, like the Corey Davis thing with the Jets, I don't care if you're a top five secondary. You do that to lose a game early on in the season against a team that you need to beat. It, there's just no excuse for it. Absolutely none. The utter breakdowns, like that one right there, completely destroyed this defense. So here were some of the total defense grades per PFF uh, last season for the Browns. A 34.4 against Atlanta, 39.2 against Miami, a 41 against Buffalo, a 46.6 against Pittsburgh, and a 57.4 against the Chargers. We had five games with a run defense grade below 33. We actually even won two of those games. One of them was against Pittsburgh, and one of them was that second game against Baltimore. If you look at the PFF grades, or last season for the Browns, there's a very clear trend overall. And and this revolves around the defensive grades specifically. The split, the cutoff was 65.5. Every single game that the Browns defense was over 65.5, we won. We were 6-0 in those games. Every single game where the defense was below 65.5, we lost. Except for one, that first game against Pittsburgh and Mitch Trubisky. Total record in those games, just 1-10. So that's, that's as clear as it can be. 
Undefeated in games over 65.5, pretty much completely defeated except for one game in games under 65.5. And to be fair, I compared it to the offense. There's no pattern whatsoever for the offensive grades. We lost a, we lost a bunch of high-graded games, the Chargers, Jets, Bills, Falcons, Ravens. And then we won a couple games where the offense was graded lower, like against the Texans and the Panthers. So the defense clearly dictated what the Browns' final record was last season. To kind of just look at the special teams and the offense, the special teams ranked 19th last year. The offense was 10th. So we did have a top 10 offense last year in 2022. The defense, again, 25th. To speak to that top 10 offense last year for the Browns, and everybody wants to say, you know, I shouldn't say everybody. I'm sorry about that. There's a lot of people, though, that want to get Kevin Stefanski out of here and think he's not doing a good job with the offense. So let's look at this. Jacoby Brissett had the best year of his career in 2022 in those 11 starts with the Browns. He had an 82.6 grade per PFF, 64% completion percentage, 2,608 yards, 12 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Again, 11 starts. He had a QB rating of 88.9 and a QBR of 60. That was 8th overall in the NFL last season. Jacoby Brissett, 8th overall QBR in the NFL. Now look at this. In 2020, Baker Mayfield had the best year of his career under Kevin Stefanski. 81.6 PFF grade, 3,563 yards, 26 touchdowns, just eight picks. QB rating of 95.9 and a QBR of 65.5. That year, that was 10th overall in the NFL. And it was just slightly behind Tom Brady at 66. So right there, Jacoby Brissett, or I'm sorry, (laughs) right there, Kevin Stefanski has produced two top 10 QBs in terms of QBR in his three seasons with the Browns. And he did that with Baker Mayfield and Jacoby Brissett. Those are two backup caliber at best quarterbacks starting for the Browns. And Kevin Stefanski got them into top 10 finishes in the NFL. Baker's QBR last year, just to compare this, 24.5. His QBR with that that first year with Kevin Stefanski, like I said, just to remind you real quick, 65.5 last year with the Panthers and Rams, 24.5. Absolutely abysmal. And the year before with the Browns where he had the the shoulder injury and just things just really fell apart for him in his career, just a 35.1. Brissett's best previous QBRs as a starter in the league, 52.1 and a 43.3. Under Kevin Stefanski, remember, 60. So what do you think Stefanski is going to do with a game-ready Deshaun Watson? A three-time Pro Bowl quarterback who, from the time he was a rookie to his last season playing a full season with the Texans, improved every single year. He's a top five quarterback, guys, and he is the third highest quarterback rating of all time. So remember what Stefanski did with Brissett and Baker. And now you give him a Deshaun Watson who is not suspended, who is not coming in cold in the cold part of the season, but he is ready to go from day one. We've already talked about it. We said that Watson's adjusted completion percentage in his six games last year, 73%. So how does that compare? Baker Mayfield in 2020. Between his his actual completion percentage and his adjusted completion percentage, there was a 13.3% difference. Jacoby Brissett in 2022 had a 10.6% difference between his completion percent and his adjusted. Deshaun Watson in 2022, 14.8. So why is that number significant? So I looked at Deshaun Watson's career average in Houston. Over his four years there, 
his the difference between his completion percent and his adjusted was only 7.2%. So in 2022, Deshaun Watson nearly doubled his career average between completion percentage and his adjusted. The closer those numbers are together, as long as they're on the higher end for the quarterbacks, like that, that means that what the quarterback is supposed to be completing in the adjusted, because the adjusted kind of says like, based on the analytics, this is what the, the completion percentage should be. The closer those two are together, the better the quarterback is actually performing on the field. It was double what his, his average normally is. So as far as I'm concerned, that will not be the story in 2023. I am very confident in that. I, I don't know what his yards and his touchdowns look like in 23, but I do know that his completion percentage is going to be back around that 66% mark or, or better for his career. And his adjusted is going to continue to be a, around 75%, three out of four passes, which is just very damn good for a quarterback in the NFL. So again, to recap, with a little bit better defense, and I'm telling you guys, Jim Schwartz is going to have this thing buttoned up. And the Browns have invested so much into fixing the problems from last year because I guarantee you they're looking at the same thing I'm looking at that we're all listening to here in this video. What games could we have won last year that we didn't and we could have made a, a significant a legitimate playoff push. Well, I've already detailed those. And what was the common factor in every single one of those games? Defense and special teams. Breakdowns. Just absolute horrendous play on that those units. So what the Browns do? Fired the, the coordinators that led those units. Brought in Bubba Ventrone from the Colts, who's had top-rated, top-ranked special teams units during his career with the Colts, and they bring in Jim Schwartz, who averages a top 10 defense every time he's a defensive coordinator in his career. That's very significant. We go and we make sure the defensive line is beefed up. Dalvin Tomlinson, Oboe Aronquo, uh, Siaki Ika drafted Elijah McGuire. We go and we trade for Zadarius Smith to pair up with Miles Garrett. Bring in Juan Thornhill at the safety position. I mean... And I know I'm forgetting guys off the top right now as far as the defensive goes. I mean, Maurice Hurst, again, defensive line, rotational piece, Tristan Hill. I mean, these guys are all going to factor in in some way, whether it's, you know, pushing other guys through camp or just being a significant rotational piece during the season, whatever the case may be. The Browns invested heavily into the defensive side of the ball, and that's going to matter. That's going to make a huge difference. So, Everything I just talked about goes into why you as a Browns fan can reasonably expect the Browns to make the playoffs in 23. Things are different now, guys. This is not the same team it was a few years ago where, you know, if the Browns come out and they get five or six wins in a season, that could be considered success. No, the expectations now is playoff. That's it. The, the expectations are playoffs or it's a lost season. That's where the Browns are. You think about a team like, now, let's just pick the best team last year, the, the Super Bowl winners, the Chiefs. If the Chiefs didn't make the playoffs, do you think fans would have considered that a bad season, a lost season? Yes, absolutely. It was playoffs plus for the Chiefs. Anything less than that, a complete, absolute bust of a season. It's where the Browns are. I'm not saying that they're at the Chiefs level and you should expect a Super Bowl appearance. But once you make the playoffs, anything is on the table. And for the Browns, with this team, with the moves they've made, Everything that I've talked about in this video, we should expect playoffs and that anything less is an absolute waste of a season, complete disappointment. 
So let me know what you think. Do you agree? Do you think the Browns should be making the playoffs in 23? Is that a reasonable expectation or am I just full of it? Drop them in the comments. Let me know. Let me know your thoughts. If you want to leave a voicemail for an upcoming episode, head to thedogspodcast.com. Leave your voicemail. We really appreciate hearing from everybody. We appreciate you tuning in. We love doing the podcast for all of you Browns fans out there. So let us know. Interact with us. We'll be in the comments with you. And until we talk to you again, let's go Browns. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Dogs Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at The Dogs Podcast. Get your thoughts on the show at thedogspodcast.com.